All right. Welcome back to part two of Karen and I's upbringings. Um, in the first part, you kind of got to know a little bit more about our family dynamic and um, kind of who our parents are and who they raised us to be and our siblings and things like that. And so now um, we're going to talk a little bit more about like life situations and how our families um, kind of brought us through those. So, um, Kara, do you want to start? with a little bit of like your transition from like high school to college and kind of how that went. Yeah. So, um, I was, as we talked about in the first episode, attached to the boys and the nephews that were with me. Um, so I didn't want to get too far from home. That was very clear to me. Um, senior year, I, I felt like I had this, duty and I look back now and kind of wish I would have let myself loose a little bit more I'm sure my parents thought the same thing but so I went to Blinn in College Station and then uh, transferred from Blinn after a year to Sam Houston in Huntsville and I lived in College Station for a year and uh, I look back and had not really no college experience that you would say, yeah, back in my college days, I did X, Y, Z. There wasn't any of that. I had like Tuesday, Thursday classes. I would stay back at home until Monday afternoon and I would leave Thursday after my classes. Um, I spent very little time in the apartment that we were paying a good bit of money for because I, for whatever reason, and, and maybe this was good, but I felt like my, I was most needed at home to help with the kids. And so um, I had no party experiences in, in college, definitely not in College Station. And then I moved to Huntsville after a year. I lived there for three months, had a house with a bunch of really nice girls. And that was harder for me to be that much farther away. I ended up getting a subleaser for the fourth room of the house and moved back home. And that then for the next, what was that? Two and a half years, I drove an hour and a half one way, two days a week um, to college so that I could spend the majority of my time at home. And so during those years, I had a few different jobs. Uh, I worked at a flower shop. That was super fun. Um, It was a gift shop flower shop jewelry and things like that home decor um that was a cute little job and I only worked there on Fridays um had a lot of fun with that job and then I went to work for a demolition tool manufacturing company not far from where we live and I worked there for the remaining years of my college career and then ended up staying there for an additional like four years after that. And so um, that company is a smaller company, about 50 or so employees. And so everybody wears a lot of hats there. And it that's where I really found the drive to want to achieve more, be more. And so I was felt like I was constantly chasing the more there at that company and trying to help in all the ways that I could. Um, and get as much exposure and knowledge as I could to different departments. And they were super gracious. They, I'm sure they were annoyed by me because I just wanted to keep getting more and adding more to the plate. Um, 
but some of the best people ever. Um, such a cool, cute company to work for the most family oriented I had been a part of, which wasn't very much. I I didn't have much history and career, but um, it was the coolest place for me to jumpstart everything with. And so um, I still talk to a lot of them today. I miss them like crazy, but I moved on from there after about five years. So anyway, that's what my college looked like. Tell me about yours. (laughs) Um, So the transition from high school to college was not fun. Um, and I think it was the least amount because I was a basket case. Um, I, um, was very fortunate that I was talented in school and academics. And like I mentioned before, like my mom really pushed me to be the best. And, um, you know, I had a lot of opportunities that a lot of people don't have. And I was very, very fortunate. Um, one of those opportunities was science fair. And it's super nerdy, but I really loved the science fair. It was competitive, it was academic, and it was something I could thrive in. And so my sophomore, I had a project my freshman year and it was okay. But then my sophomore year, I said, I want to do this. Like, kind of like the pig thing. Like, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it. So my mom went to college, um, with a guy who's now a geneticist and he's super brilliant. And we called him up and said like, Hey, here's kind of the direction we want to go. Obviously my project included cows because my whole life has been cows. Um, But here's kind of what we want to do. How, how do you think we could do this? And we brainstormed and kind of came up with, you know, the question or the hypothesis and went through the whole scientific process. And we're like, all right, we've got a project here. Like we can do something. And so my mom was very, very involved. And, you know, we flew out to Nebraska where there was a lab and we did all the testing ourselves. Um, Part of the project included having pictures of the subjects, which were the cows. And so we tested, I think it was like 110 or something cows so we had to get photos of each one of these cows because we were testing phenotype in relation to genotype for certain genetic abnormalities and so we had to have a phenotype so we had to sort the cows I remember this tested my parents and I's relationship but we had to sort the cows into what we thought was the phenotype we were looking at and the the non-phenotype. And then we had to get photos of each one of these cows. And if you're listening and if you've ever photographed cattle, you understand that it tested our patients to no end. But anyways, um, so we get through that. We do the lab testing. We do all that. I present at our local high school fair and I get second, which is fine. But... um, it was devastating because we're like, shoot, we just wasted all this time and money for a project that nobody's going to really believe in. But fortunately, I got to go to regionals and at regionals, I won the entire regional science fair. And we were like, holy cow. Okay. The Palmers so, are coming back. The Palmers are coming back. And, you know, we got a different audience that wasn't skewed or anything, you know, small town living. You get judges from people that you know your whole life. So, you know, we went to regionals and won. And so that opportunity, um, since I won regionals, I was automatically qualified for the International Science and Engineering Fair. And that was something that my mom and I have really been proud of since that day. But 
you know, I automatically qualified for internationals, but then, you know, there was state in between, like you still got to go to state if you wanted to. So we went to state science fair and I actually won the state science fair. Um, and it was, it was such a cool moment. And, um, so we went to internationals. My mom got to go with me. Um, and it was awesome. It was in California and, you know, we met literally people from all over the world and, you know, it was fascinating to see their projects and, you know, meet these people. And there was a pin exchange for the kids. So like I had custom pins made with mountains and cows and like really highlighted who I was, you know, and had it on a pin. And then, you know, I've got the pin bag here in my closet. Um, you know, I've got pins from Egypt and Africa and all these cool places. And it was such an experience. Well, that set me up for a lot of success for the rest of my academic career and led to a ton of scholarships and a ton of opportunities. And um, so my mom being the tiger mom that she was, thank you, mom. I appreciate it. Not only did we get some of those scholarships, but like she wanted me to apply for everything under the sun. If I had one of the requirements or one of the like need to do this or have this X, Y, Z, we applied for it. I mean, we applied for scholarships that our school has never even heard of. And my mom is so type A, she would not let me handwrite any of them because I have terrible handwriting. So she bought a typewriter because most of these apps like hard copies. She bought a typewriter. We put every single one of them in like a project protector. We submitted them. We hand submitted them. We mailed them. I mean, my life was scholarship applications forever. And um, it ended up being that Whatever school I went to, it was going to be pretty much paid for. Well, I applied to Purdue, Texas A&M, Colorado State, and Cal Poly. And I got into all four, which is, for my personality, the worst thing you can do is give me options because I it stresses me out. So we toured and we did pros and cons and you know it was it was me my mom and dad and man we went round and round and round well Bailey your opportunity to do this is better at this school or you know you're gonna have to be in Texas if you go to Texas A&M and sorry Aggies but it's um pretty serious to go to Texas A&M and it's it's a lifestyle and I don't know if I was ready for it um if you might say that I was going to go there, but I work with a lot of them. I was kind of afraid I was going to get I do too. I'm not afraid of them. (laughs) So, you know, and I wanted to go to Cal Poly because my aunt went there and it's a great ag school and it's in California. Like, how cool is that? And then, you know, Purdue is so like prestigious and, you know, like the best and all this. And, you know, I went to Colorado State and it, it spooked me because it was Colorado State. It was in my backyard everybody goes there like I just wasn't into it but it ended up that my entire schooling was going to be paid for if I went to Colorado State and I got recruited by a great guy named Brett Kaysen he actually judged our county fair one year and kind of picked me out of the litter so to speak and you know we became friends and he became friends with my family and he was actually the academic advisor and professor there and he said Bailey I know I go here and I know it's my job to recruit you, but you're not going to get a better ag or animal science education than right here. And it's paid for. And I was like, you're right. So after tears and tears and tears, I even bought a Texas A&M sweatshirt, like 
I was coming to Texas A&M or Cal Poly were my two picks. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. I still have that sweatshirt. I still have a sweatshirt for Cal Poly. Like I was going to go somewhere else. And, you know, Brett really talked to me and he's like, this is the right move for you. I was like, okay, we'll do it. So I ended up going to Colorado State and I was in the same boat as you. You know, I had to keep a certain GPA to keep my scholarship. So I wasn't very fun. And my parents wanted me to be. My mom had a great college experience. She was wild and fun and, you know, did the college thing right. My dad didn't actually go to college, but, you know, he's like, don't let school get in the way of your education. You know, do stuff, go meet people, whatever. And I just hermited up. You know, I just, I wanted to get through. I wanted to get good grades and I wanted to be done. And I just, I my first two years, I didn't find my niche of people. Well, yeah, I was in the ag classes, but I didn't find my people, you know, that were similar mindset as me. So it was just easier not to go out and not to go uh-huh. do all that stuff. And I regret it now because, like, I think I lost or missed a lot of social opportunities. But, you know, I was very focused on my grades. But going from a class of 18 to 300, in that first biology 101 class was miserable. I hated it so much. Um, you know, it was phone calls to my parents just bawling, like, what have I done? Like, I'm not made to cut it out here. Like, I'm not going to do well. And I bombed my first ever test because in high school, with it being so small, it was easy for me. You know, it was, I never really had to challenge myself. I never really had to learn how to study I never really had to step up. And so, you know, my first class was like, oh, it's biology. This is, I'm science. This is what I'm supposed to do. Bombed it. And it was weeks of tears and stress. I'm like, I'm not cut out for this. I can't do college. Like, I was so smart for so long and now I can't even pass a test in college. Like, I'm I'm going to stop you right there because I have the same exact experience, but it was college (laughs) algebra. And... I had the worst professor my freshman year. I had a full stack of classes. I was going to go all in on this college thing. And uh, all the while splitting time between home, home and the, and college station. And uh, math is not my forte. I have to use math in my daily job. And I, a lot of times on a very simple question, need to ask someone near me just to say, are, are you sure this is right? I, I want to make sure this is right. And so um, I walked into college algebra, had seen the Rate My Professor reviews. This was the only class I could get into for college algebra, the only professor I could get. I had read those reviews. They were horrible, but I'm a personable person, right? So That'd I can fun. make friends and she's going to love me. And she didn't love me and I didn't love her. And um, I ended up almost probably the closest I've ever been to a nervous breakdown over this class and how I, for the first time in a long time or maybe ever was going to fail miserably. Mm -hmm. And I ended up dropping that class with that professor because it was causing me so much grief. I wasn't sleeping. I was crying all all the time. This was my first, my first look at college and when we get into the Enneagram episode, it's going to come out that we're both high achievers. And I can see how this was the first taste of um, displeased or maybe not achieving on the level that we want to, that we had gotten under our belts. 
and this was not working for me. And so I definitely had the same experience, but in a math field, um, but that scared me throughout college. I was very gun shy of never wanting to feel that way again, that I was a failure, that I couldn't show up and fully give it my best and still ace it. That was, we talked about how we weren't great at athletics, but I mean, school kind of came to us naturally in the small schools. And so here we are in this big ocean and not killing it. So I had the same exact experience. Go on. Thank you. <laughs> it was miserable. I, I never, I still wake up in the middle of the night, like crap, I have a test tomorrow. Like I, I overstress myself out. And like the mm-hmm. one thing that I learned is like, you're going to get a piece of paper unless you totally flunk out. Like you're going to be fine. But you know, it took a lot and you know, it, it devastated my parents because I was so tore up. I mean, day in, day out, like I hate this place. I'm away from my home. You know, I grew up working and living with my family. You know, we worked on the ranch all day, every day. We came home, we ate dinner, repeat. And so like now I'm on my own. I'm away from my family. I am failing this class that should be easy to me. I don't like my roommate. I don't like any of the people around me. Like this is just, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And, um, you know, my mom did everything she could to help me. My dad, you know, they talked me off the ledge a lot. And they continue to talk me off my ledge, you know, all the way through my first and second careers. But that's a different story. Um, but, you know, like, they were getting spooked at where I was at. Because, you know, they hear the horror stories of kids that were successful early and then fail in college and then just go off the deep end. And they knew I wasn't to that point, but they had concerns. And so they had me talk to our really good family friend, Nellie, um, shout out to Nellie, but she, um, she had the same experience. And so, you know, my mom didn't. And so she couldn't really relate to what I was struggling with and she was devastated that she couldn't help. And so she was like, I remember Nellie when she went to college, she hated college too. Why don't you give her a call and go through this? I said, okay. So I called Nellie basically weekly, sometimes twice a day. I mean, whenever I needed her and, you know, we went through like, why do I hate this? Why am I not excelling? And, you know, like, how do you get through this? And who do you talk to to figure out how to study? And she was, she was awesome in that fact. And, you know, my mom saw me turn a corner probably about like my second semester of sophomore year. And, you know, she was so glad and I was glad and everybody was glad, but you know, I still never did the college thing. Like my sister came to visit me. Uh, she surprised me for my birthday. Um, and she was like, all right, let's go to the bars. And I was like, Holly, I, (laughs) I, I don't know. And she had been in Fort Collins before, you know, she had volleyball camps and had friends there and all that. And she's like, all right, well, we're going to go to this bar, this bar and this bar. She didn't go to school there. She knew where all the bars were (laughs) better than I did when I went to school there. Um, So, you know, like, I just, I didn't do that scene. And, you know, looking back, like I said, like, I wish I socialized more. And, you know, there was opportunities that I missed. But I also don't think I would have ended up where I am um, if I did it differently. And I'm very grateful for where I am. And I, you know, we've talked about this awakening that we're having. You know, I like who I am. I'm, I'm glad I pushed myself when I did. And, you know, now I get to enjoy it a little bit. But, yeah, it was, it was rough. Yeah, I agree. I'm thankful for the the route that I took. 
I definitely have moments where I wish I would have let myself live a little, live life on the edge and, you know, maybe get into a little bit of slight trouble, but um, I don't know. It, it, it was what needed to happen at the time. And I I don't really like to live in regret. So um, I'm very thankful for the route that we took both you and I, it's definitely poured into who we are today. And um, I wouldn't change it. I don't think I would change a thing about it. You know, I wouldn't either. There's, there's a couple things I'm like, damn, I should have done that. You know, like, uh, I had an opportunity, but you know, about my junior year, I had a great set of roommates. You know, we lived in a house. Um, We're all just living our best lives. And I finally found my niche of people and you know, it kind of just started coming together. And, you know, at that point, and I think we're going to talk about this with this Enneagram episode, but, you know, when I was in high school, I couldn't wait to get to college and prove myself in college. And then the moment I got to college, I could not wait to find the perfect career and excel at it and kick butt and take names. And then, you know, here's my junior year of college and I'm applying for jobs that I can't even get until I graduate. But I knew I was going to graduate early. So I was like, I'm going to get on this ball right now. And here comes, you know, little Lisa Jr. over here with like her typewriter and her page covers and all this stuff again. And, you know, it paid off. I had excellent internships all the way through college that, you know, a lot of people would would beg for that opportunity. And, you know, I, I started doing internships when I was a freshman and that was unheard of. And then I um, ended up with a full-time job during college that, you know, I was in the livestock office of, you know, the National Western my sophomore, junior, and senior year, and then after I graduated, and, you know, that's an opportunity that a lot of people would be grateful for, and so, you know, pushing myself, and, you know, at that point, yeah, I wanted to make my parents proud, and I wanted to show them that I could do it, but it switched from pleasing my parents to proving myself to myself to you yes yeah and I think you know if I was doing it for my parents I would have hated it worse but I was doing it for myself and I hated it because I wasn't where I thought I should be or and nobody put that pressure on me like my parents like you need an internship to graduate do it your junior year do it your senior year do it whenever you want who cares but no I I did it my freshman year and then I ended up with a job and then I did another internship my junior year and just overdid it for sure. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't like parents put pressure on me. They just raised me to get to the next level. And I had to prove, prove it to myself that I could. Right. So a question before we move on from college years, uh, Mm -hmm. I say this all the time, but I'm very curious what your answer is. Would you go back to school? Hell no. I, I would not go back to school if I were paid to go back to school. And that's the thing. I was getting paid to go to school. I had an extra 6000 per semester in my pocket. Like, books were paid for. Housing was paid for. It was all set in stone. And I had it made in the shade, and I still hated it. Like, I would never go back and get my master's or my doctorate or anything nope. because I'm never going through that again. And I was good at school. I just hated it. I feel like we're like so on the edge of the Enneagram, but <laughs> I know I think that's probably going to have to be our next episode. Too. <laughs> our, I had a planner and I would write down every assignment that was due on whatever day. 
But on Monday of that week, I had all of that week's assignments done because I could not stand the looming to-do list. I'm so not a procrastinator. I could not stand the looming to-do list. And so I would get it all done like a week in advance so that for two hours on Monday, I would be able to say I have nothing on my plate. And then the next week would start thinking, like I would start thinking about the next week and what I would have to do, what big project was due. There was no time to breathe. And I know that this was all my own doing and I was doing it to myself and making it as miserable as it was for myself. But dude, I would never want to do that again. Never. I know. And it's so crazy how we do that to ourselves. And I, I, I caught myself doing that in the multiple careers that I've had too, where it's just like, I push myself to burn out. It's like, nobody asked me to do all this extra stuff. But once I started doing the extra stuff, they got used to it. And then it was expected. And so like, I caused myself to get burned out by showing all my cards on the table day one. And then I burned myself out. And I've done that numerous times, starting to learn. But I do have a aha story from college that really sits well with my soul. Kind of like that kid that hit my pig and then lost in the class. Kind of one of those stories. Give me another one of those. <laughs> so um, we had a breeding class, a breeding and genetics, I think it was called. And um, I was very excited to take this class because look at what I do now. Like breeding and genetics is what I was made to do. That's what my science fair project was. I work in an IVF lab now. Uh, like, obviously, I was made to do breeding and genetics. So, it's like, first day of class, I'm excited. I think this was my junior years when we start getting into these more intense, more specific classes. And um, I've never talked to a TA. I never studied in the library because it stressed me out. I always stressed, or I always studied in my room. Never went and saw a TA, never talked to the professor. Like I just, I was weird, but I was decided like today's the day I'm going to go talk to a TA, like make my presence known, whatever. So I go and talk to the TA and said, hi, my name's Bailey. I'm really interested in breeding and genetics. And she shook me off. She's like, okay, well, if you need anything, here's my contact. Uh, Good luck. Okay, fine. Cool. Cool. Well, it turns out that she was getting her PhD and she actually ended up working at National Western as an intern where I was no longer an intern. I was an employee. Okay. And so she walks in and she's like, I recognize you. And I said, "Uh, yeah, I'm in your breeding and genetics class. And I said, I went up to you the first day and said, like, I want to do breeding and genetics. And you kind of shook me off. Like, I was honest about it because I wasn't in her class anymore. So who the hell cared? Right. Um, And she was like, oh, yeah, I remember you. And she's like, I'm sorry I shook you off. But the amount of people that come up to me and say they want to do breeding and genetics and then don't do anything with it is astronomical. So I just figured you were one of those. And um, here we are. wrong sis. Here we are. And uh, we're friends on Facebook and stuff. So I know she sees what I do and uh, knows that I'm in literally breeding and genetics um, as a profession. So it was kind of like an aha moment of like, don't ever underestimate me, no matter who you are. Like, don't underestimate a Palmer. Don't underestimate That's for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Yeah, I've definitely had moments like that where it's like, okay, like I remember a lady came up to me and I was in college, I was working at the flower shop and she said something about how there's no way that I could be a, a good student in college if I was spending so much time in my hometown away from college and how, how in the world would somebody balance all of that? And I just remember thinking, A, you have no idea. B, none of your business. C, I'm killing it. I'm killing it. I'm, I'm handling all of this. At least in my own mind, I was killing it. I was trying to make a little bit of money here at this job that was very, very little money, but it was fun. And then I'm um, taking time to go to school and helping at home. And I, I felt like I was just, you know, juggling all the balls in the air. Everything was going seamlessly and she came in and just like crashed that and it's crazy what people's words can do and I wish that they didn't have so much effect on me um but anyway that's another conversation too but I remember thinking I'm gonna prove this to you that I I can live at home for my entire college career basically and graduate early um you know become something become successful from this and Hey, I don't use that degree, but I got it. I got it. It's just a piece of paper. Just like you said, you're going to get the piece of paper unless you totally flunk every class. It's going to come to you. You just kind of have to be patient and struggle through it. And boy, did we struggle through it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, um, I'm sure you're going to touch on this. I just want to preface that Kara is the Enneagram queen. I know nothing about it. So she's going to take lead on that episode, but I can already tell like, people's negativity and naysayers fuel my fire so bad oh boy and like their opinion doesn't matter like all i'm trying to impress is myself wes and lisa and honestly that's about it right right but that's been that's you now that wasn't you before Right. We've been so focused on making sure everybody's impressed with all the things that we're doing. And it's like, we're slowly figuring out who the circle is that we actually care and actually makes a difference in our day to day if they approve or not. Yeah. That's been a fun trip for me too. Uh, it sounds like you've definitely narrowed your circle down and I have too. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with we, we talked about in the parenting episode that Caroline is kind of in the people-pleasing era. We've mm -hmm. all gone through this people-pleasing stage, and now we're at the stage where we're trying to figure out who we are, and we're trying to figure out who matters most, what matters most to us, and, and what we have planned for ourselves. And so um, we have so much to attribute to the upbringings that we've had, and it's both I don't think anything has hurt us because I feel like everything has happened for a reason, but we've grown for so many different reasons because of who we were raised to be or who we were raised by. Um, there's so many, so much good that came out of that. And there's also so much growth that came out of that. And so um, I think that's why I have more of a piece about this parenting thing, because as long as I'm showing up for my kids every day and being, the best I can be for them. I don't think I can screw this up that bad. No. And I think they see that and I see that. And so we both have to give each other grace as well as, you know, in the marriage too, you got to give each other grace there. Um, 
But I think that's what you and I have both seen throughout our upbringings. And now I get to see that in my own kids. And um, it's great that you don't have to, <laughs> it's great that you don't have to experience that side um, because it, that can be an internal struggle for sure. But uh, you're definitely not a miss on stories because you're going to get them from everybody that has the kids and you're just going to be able to laugh and say, glad it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's crazy too. Cause like my parents, obviously I, I idolize them very heavily. I hope that's very present in this episode, but um, you know, I still to this day have learned from them because their circle is small, but they're, is so big like um my mom had a stroke my senior year and it was devastating like this is when you know the holly stuff was going on and you know it was my senior year and you know it's it's awesome and my parents never missed a volleyball game and growing up in small rural town america we had to travel to a lot of volleyball games that were over four hours of driving and it was crazy but they never ever 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 missed a game and we were playing, it was homecoming and, you know, I was first server and I was getting ready and I looked to where they normally sat and they weren't there. And that was like a, okay, that's fine. Something happened at the ranch. No big deal. So we play, we play a couple rounds um, or a couple games, I guess is the professional term, but play a couple games and you know we're on the other side and I'm still looking for him and I told coach I said coach my parents aren't here and she said a lot of parents aren't here I said no my parents aren't here and I said take me out of the game I don't know what's going on and then all, all of a sudden it was like a movie my dad comes rushing in and um you know everybody's surrounding him trying to figure out what's going on I'm on the court wondering like what the heck like why won't they let me talk to my dad like what's going on Finally, like everything settles down. Coach takes me out. I run up to my dad and he tells me that like your mom had a stroke. She's being flight for life. Um, I got to get to Denver. You stay here, finish stuff up. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And and the coolest part was it was the scariest part of our lives for sure. Um, and the coolest part was the community that surrounded me because they surrounded my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like <laughs> dad and I, poor dad, whew, dad and I, you know, we had, so there's a forest permit where we keep our cows during the summer. There's a lot of grass. We rent it from the national forest service, et cetera, et cetera. Well, in the fall, we have to bring the cows home and it's about a 30 mile drive. So we bring them off the forest permit to a set of corrals. We sort them, give them shots, do all that, load them on the truck and then unload them 30 miles down the road. Well, mom, like I mentioned, is the nuts and bolts of the operation. She knows every cow, every calf, everything. Well, she's in the hospital at this time. So it's me and dad. And we were going to do it by ourselves. Like we were, we were going to figure it out. This is the last thing we did. And we had four or five guys that my dad had mentored throughout their lives or employed throughout their lives show up at 4 a.m. and help us gather cows and do all that. And their wives brought us food and their wives, you know, helped us with record keeping and all that. And that was the moment that I realized that it didn't matter how many friends I had on Facebook or how many, anything like that. It mattered the impact that I was making on the people around me. Yeah. And they still have that impact to this day. For instance, like 
they're living their best life. I tell you what, my parents are living their best life. But, you know, tomorrow night they're going to a dinner with my um, family friends, Tim and Nellie, the same Nellie that I talked about earlier, because Tim and Nellie just want to spend time with my parents. And so they're going to a group dinner. And then there's a guy that, you know, came into a lot of money and um, he's always loved my parents. And, you know, he's got a private jet and he's got a lot of race horses. So like he'll call him and say, hey, meet me at the tarmac we're going to go to this horse race. We're going to eat lunch in the club, like all this. So like my parents just like get on a plane and go do that. But because they enjoy their company so much, like it doesn't matter how much money my parents have. It doesn't matter how much success they've had. That's what I'm aiming for is to have a group of people around me that says, you know what? Like, let's do this because we want to spend time with Bailey. Right. And that's so cool and have such an impact and like, have a support system, even if you don't talk every day, even, you know, if you're thousands of miles away, they're, they're there. And that's the legacy that I want to keep building for myself. And I'm sure your parents have given helping hands to everybody in the community and everybody's had a down and out moment that they've then been able to give back to them. Um, they've been supportive and helpful and um, probably a uh, an ear to hear a complaint or a tough situation. And I would definitely say the same thing about my parents and um, very servant attitudes to everyone around them, always looking for opportunities to help others, um, looking for people in need. What can we do? What can we build? Dad's really good with his hands. He's a mechanic. Um, And so he, what can I fix for you? Um, He, his last I would say last career he had, he would, he owned his own business. And so he would be like the town handyman. But the problem that we were running into with dad is he never wanted to charge anybody. And so he was spending all of this time and buying all this material for everybody's little projects, but he would just want to do everything for free. And so it, it wasn't necessarily a problem, but it got to a point to where, is this actually filling your cup to go and do things or is your body like, tired because you've been working and raising kids all this time are you are you tired and ready to hang it up or do you still want to give your time and effort uh, to all the people of our community and he still does that sometimes um but he gets to be a little bit more choosy now about it because the kids are almost raised and he's able to sleep in a little bit more and uh, my mom has just like your mom always the bookkeeper and the way that everything ran, the operation ran smoothly because of the work that my mom did in the background. And because of the friends that they are and because of the kindness that they portray and the uh, supportive attitude that they have towards everyone in the community, their house is always considered open. You never know who's going to show up and just want to visit. They kind of have that same effect on people where um, they're, well-liked and they want other people want to be around them because they bring a good opinion and they bring a different outlook and um, just fun to be around. So I definitely see that. I'm sure your parents have been an integral part of that community as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, obviously we both talked very highly of our parents and I will never say an ill word about them or anything, but I'm not going to sit here and say we didn't have fights. We didn't throw feed buckets at each other in the barn. We didn't, um, you know, have hard conversations of, you know, this is who I am. This is what I want to be. This is who we are. 
you know, and, and that's why we kind of wanted to do this episode the way we did, because we are going to get into those subjects. They are going to be tear jerkers. They're going to be belly laughs. There's going to be highs and lows, but hopefully one, hopefully you understand where we're coming from when we talk about these things, given, you know, what we've said about our upbringings, but two, hopefully, like we've said every episode, there's something relatable here whether it's, you know, how you feel about your parents or something that you struggled with, you know, if you struggled going to college or um, just anything like that. Like, we just want to create a space where, you know, all stories are welcome. These are ours. We hope it helps. We hope you laugh, cry, whatever with us. And um, it's it's fascinating how much we have in common. So just to think about just you and I, um, and all the similarities, you can't imagine how many people relate to our stories. I mean, we've had people reach out and it's not like we have a huge following. We will one day, you know, build it and they will come. But like the people that do listen have reached out to you. I know they've reached out to me and it's just, I think we're doing the right thing here. Yeah. It's just been fun to kind of break things down, look at things from a different perspective, learn more about each other, but also societal pressures and how we go to bat for each other and our families each day and how our whole upbringing has relayed into where we are right now in our current state and what that looks like in the future. We don't know, but it's cool to see how it all ties together right now. Yep, absolutely. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to getting into those subjects. I'm a little scared of some of them because I mean, I'm probably going to cry and I'm probably going to laugh and, you know, that's a very vulnerable side, but you know, I think it's stuff, that needs to be talked about and I'm very excited to be talking about it with you um but yeah that's kind of our upbringings Kara do you have anything to add as far as stories or tidbits or anything nope I think we're gonna save all those for the future episodes. <laughs> stay tuned yeah. for the goodness yeah we have um lists and lists of topics that we want to talk about and some are gonna make you sad some are gonna hopefully make your day we're gonna have as always some wit and banter and some humor in there because you have to life's too short but um if we have recently started our own instagram account that's where we're going to put all of our behind the scenes our new episode um launches stuff like that just to stay in tune we were doing it on our personal pages but like we kind of wanted to separate our personal lives a little bit um So if you want to or feel obliged to go follow us on Instagram, our handle is Mimosas with Hermosa podcast. Um, And you're going to see a lot of fun stuff on that too. So I'm excited that's going. Um, If you want to follow us while you're at it, Bailey Palmer, Kara Jeffcoat. um, Yeah, we live pretty exciting lives. So you should come follow along. I think you should. I think you'll enjoy it. I think so too. I think so too um as always Kara thank you for joining me so glad you're here and I think that's it for the night so I hope you all enjoyed and we can't wait to talk to you next time buckle up cheers buckle up cheers is right (laughs) good night (laughs)